What's in store for your business this week at Staples? Cases and cases of confidence. Staples can help give you the confidence that your business is ready for the year ahead with all the supplies you need. Like paper. And right now, when you buy a 10-ream case of Staples multipurpose paper, you get one free. So you can be confident you're ready for whatever business comes your way. Buy one case of Staples multipurpose paper, get one free. Now at Staples, where there's a whole lot in store. In-store only, limit 10. Valid through 1519. Strayhorn and Friends, one of the most informative and entertaining talk radio shows today. From social issues and trending topics to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So join us now for Real People, Real Topics, Real Talk. Let's face it. Thanks for tuning in to Let's Face It Radio. I'm your host, Will Strayhorn, and it is Wednesday, June 1st, 2016. We are here in our new home on the beautiful campus of Old Dominion University at the WODU Studios. I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Miss Paula B. How are you, Paula? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you, Will? I'm doing good, boo. Thanks for joining me. I am so excited. Are this you? Is so excited. Absolutely. I can't <laughs> stand myself. I'm so excited. That's good. Well, you know what? We're going to start things a little differently. Um than what you're normally used to the show starting out. I'm going to each week have a track of the week, and this is basically a song, could be old, could be new, something that's published or not, Um, just something that really resonates with me during that week. So I'm going to start the show off with my track of the week. It is Miss Andra Day, Rise Up. We're going to talk about it right after this. You're broken down and tired Living life on the merry-go-round And you can't find a fighter But I see it in you, so we gon' walk it out Move mountains We gon' walk it out and move mountains And I'm right. 
I guess it's probably her husband, I would imagine. He's like a, um, I guess he's disabled. He can't walk. Um, I don't think he can speak. And it opens up with him, like, doing this electrical thing on the tablet where he's like, I'm going to take you on a date. Um, and just talks about, I guess he was injured in the military or whatever. And it just hit me because I was thinking about all those times when I was, you know, on dialysis mm -hmm. and couldn't do a lot of the things I wanted to do. And I was in a relationship, the relationship that is now over. And just a whole bunch of emotions came back to me. So this song really, really, really touched me. And what I liked about it is that you know in that song when she says, rise up, I'm going to be there for you. I'm your ride or die yeah, chick. Yeah. It doesn't matter that you can't please me right. the way you used to, yeah. but I'm there for you. And it doesn't matter because it's all about our hearts right. being together as one. Right. And that she had moved the mountains, it doesn't even matter. Uh -huh. But I'm going to rise up and I'm going to fight for you. Yeah. That's what I really yeah. like. I'm going to fight for you no matter what. And that's the way, you know, that's the way I really think. Yeah. That's the way it should be. Yeah. It doesn't matter that you can't embrace me physically anymore mm -hmm. because I'm not there for you. Mm -hmm. I'm not with you for that. Right. But when the chips are down and you can't do for you, uh -huh. I'm going to do for you. I'm going to be your ride or die yeah. chick. That's ah, you know the I mean? song. But you know what? She wrote this. Um, she said, number one, it's a true fighter's anthem. She said, Rise Up is just a song about any, any type of a relationship. She said, I look at everyone as we all are brothers and sisters, and we're all a body working together. Rise Up is saying one piece isn't better than the other when, this, when that part of you is struggling. She said, I'm going to help you. That's, that song is beautiful. I mean, what else can you say about that? Yeah. It's just you know that I'm, I, she's going to help you. I'm going to help you yeah. as you make no matter what. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't have to worry about it. If you're sick and you're down, I'm going to help you. I got your back. Yeah. Ah. Well, you know what? This is Miss Paula Beckett, Miss better known as Paula B. She's my new sister from another mister. And I really thank you for coming to this first show. I want to give you an opportunity to talk about yourself. I know your husband's here in the studio. Um, who is Miss Paula B for those who, for some reason, don't know who you are? Who Tell us who Paula B is and what you're doing. First, I want to say thank you to my husband for always supporting yes, me. Yes. I really appreciate it. Nikki gave him his signature name, a.k.a. Mr. B. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um I am Paula Beckett. Um, I have a internet internet based show called Positive Reality, right. where we celebrate the positive things. My husband and I created that. Mm -hmm. um, what we do is interview local and national celebrities, which has been like totally awesome. I have interviewed so many people. I, I had an you. opportunity to go to the 
Cam Chancellor I event. I saw you. I saw you. Amazing. Yeah. And I got my dream interview with um, Alan Iverson, mm-hmm. AI. It was just awesome. Yeah. I was almost in tears. Um, it's been a great ride. Mm-hmm. Um, currently going to be the correspondent reporter for the new show called The Rules. I'm excited about that. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm really excited. You yeah. know, big shout out to Nikki Curry. Yeah. And Coach World's Ellis. greatest publisher in the yes, studio. in the world, in the studio. Publicist, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. Yes, she is. Um... Definitely had an opportunity to do a lot of things. Uh-huh. Um, I like to tell everybody about my dream job, and you believe it or not, is when I was younger. Um, the best job I ever had in my life is a volunteer. I love doing volunteer work. Okay, um, I'll do anything. Uh-huh. And um, it's when I had an opportunity to work at this camp called Camp Kennedy. Uh-huh. Um, and the Kennedys owned the camp. Okay, and it was Where was from, it? In Connecticut, because okay. I'm originally from Connecticut, Hartford, okay. Connecticut. Um, I've been here for... Oh, 27 years this month. Okay. Um, and it was working with children with Down syndrome. Uh-huh. Oh, that's my passion. That's my love. Uh-huh. Um, one of the things I'm really looking forward to is hopefully one day I get a chance to work with the Special Olympics. That's one of my things um, on my bucket list. Uh-huh. And the reason why the kids are so special to me, I, and I kept thinking about this all week, it's just been coming to me. Uh-huh. And because they don't care about anything. They don't care what you look like. They don't care what color you are. They don't care about anything. The only thing they care about is having a great time uh-huh. and that you love them. Yeah. And anybody that knows me knows that that's my ultimate favorite word is love uh-huh. um, because it's the foundation of everything. Uh-huh. And um, believe it or not, that was my ultimate favorite job really? ever. Well, mm-hmm. you, you have this, this, this personality. You know, when we first met, which was last summer, right? Right. Last summer, spring, we were going to D.C. for the Emerge magazine release and I was told Nikki told me that I had this fabulous um co-host who was going to help me on the red carpet um when I saw your picture it was just like absolutely fabulous thank you um, of course I was in traffic getting late so I was I called you I was like you know you're gonna have to hold it down until I get there got there you had everything under control you didn't even need me of course I but, always need you <laughs> but you know we worked good you know we said we yes. were gonna be the first black regents and um well Michael and Kelly you know Michael's gone right he's gone yeah but we're gonna do our own we're thing, gonna do right? our own things at Hampton Roads get ready get ready it's yes. coming right it's, oh it's coming <laughs> you want to see us in the street talking about fashion we're gonna be doing yeah. a lot of things don't tell our secrets okay I'm not yeah, I, don't tell it I always tell too much. I'm sorry. But you know what? We're going to talk about some hot topics during our segment called The Chat. Um, We've already talked about the song, but let's talk about what everybody's talking about on the news. Yes, the gorilla shooting. The gorilla. The gorilla. What's his name? I don't... What is his name? I have it. Harem? I don't know. Harem? Yeah, I don't know what his name is, but me... And when I saw it, I watched the video like about five times. Yeah. Um, I was at work, um, and we were watching it, and... Then when I found out about the petition and how they wanted to get the parents arrested, mm-hmm. I'm like, are you serious right now? It was a gorilla. It's, it's, a, it's amazing that the kid didn't even get hurt. Tell you us know? about, what, for, for people who maybe didn't hear about it. You know, well, what happened, I guess, from what they were saying on the news is that the kid climbed, um, fell 15 feet into an enclosed... Wow. Um, enclosure. Enclosure yeah. where the gorilla was. Mm-hmm. And, um, how old was he, the kid? He was three years old. He wow. was three years old, and mm-hmm. he fell. And um, there was a hundred and thirty-eight thousand signatures by Monday afternoon trying to get these parents arrested. Right. That's crazy over a gorilla. You got to be kidding me. Right. 
So how, and so they had to shoot the animal. They had to shoot the animal. So the guy that raised the animal, I watched the news the other day and yesterday, mm-hmm. and I saw him and he was just you know heartbroken because he raised the animal since when they brought him over from Africa. You know, brought the I read the article where he brought the baby home, the girl at home with him and changed his diaper, got up and gave him the feed just like wait, a regular wait, wait. baby. Did you say change his diaper? That's what he said. Well, I read it. That's what he said. <laughs> so okay. I'm like, I get it. But okay. the thing of it is, is that that's a human being. Yeah. That's what I don't understand. I understand my heart goes out to, you know, I love animals. I have a dog. I don't keep them. But I have a dog. Right. And I love him to death. But, you know, this was a kid. This was a three-year-old Year old child. Kid. And right. it was a mistake. You know, right. he, I guess the parents, I don't know. I don't know this background story about, you know, how he ended up over it. I don't know if they turned the back or whatever. But regardless, it's a child. Did you see how the animal was, like, swinging him yeah, and everything? Yeah, because at first he, I guess from what the guy was saying, he didn't know what to do with it. He didn't know with the kid. He didn't know if the kid was going to harm him, if he was something to play with. Uh-huh. So first he had the kid in the corner because I'm like, what is he doing to the kid? And then next thing I know, out of nowhere, boom, he's yeah. just throwing the, dragging the kid by his leg through the water. I'm like, are you serious right now? So they had to shoot him. They didn't know what was he was going to do with the kid. I wouldn't got that far. Number one, my kid is down there with a the monkey. To what he could do, he would have been dead on shot. I right. mean, you know, if I had to choose between a human and the animal, he would have been gone, exactly. long gone. And then a lot of people were saying, you know, he could have been tranquilized, but that takes time. Well, and then right. you could anger the animal, then he could really hurt right. the Right, and child. that's what they said, that that's why they did. That's why they had to shoot him, because shoot it would have took too long for the I don't the understand what the dialogue to, was for. That seems like a no-brainer. I don't understand it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. There's more things more serious things going on in the world that you can sign a petition for. Yeah. About and then you want to take all that time to talk about a gorilla. And then I think who's Peter, very dangerous by the Peter, way. Peter who came in, they were saying that they wanted to hold the, the zoo responsible because they were saying that the enclosure or the railing wasn't high enough for an animal like that. Right. And but the, everybody's looking for somebody to blame. Right. But you know, a mom can or a dad, you take your kid to the mall and turn around in two seconds, the kid is yeah. gone. You and know? he's a boy. Yeah. He's a boy, yeah. And I mean, it happens because I turned my back one time and I had uh, my nephew with me and it just, bam, he was gone. And I turned around. Good thing. Cause I'm looking all over the place for him. They're like, Oh, he's right here. But it, it makes your heart just race so fast. It makes you so nervous, mm-hmm. but you know, yes, you do have to keep your eye on your children, you, do. You, do. you know, but you do get, we're humans. Mm-hmm. Things happen. Mistakes you know, happen. Mistakes that was happen. just like, to me, that was just a no brainer. Right. Especially once he started swinging them. Like, you know, like if he was at a distance, you know, try to get down there and get the baby and save both of them. But he was swinging that little boy. Well, and the baby was crying. Right. See, at first he held the baby up like he was going to help him up. That's mm-hmm. what they thought at first. But then when he did that little swing thing, mm-hmm. it was all over. Yeah. So, I don't okay. know. I don't know. Yeah. People are a little upset. Yeah, they're, they're hot about yeah, that I, Did you see all the memes on um, Facebook? Yes. I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> they were funny, though. You got to admit. Yeah, they I mean. kind of funny. Yeah, and, you know, trying to hold the parent. And I, my thing of it is, is that don't try to hold a person to a higher standard than you hold yourself. Because if you were in that right. predicament, I'm sure that you wouldn't want anybody doing that to you. Because, again, it was a mistake and we are human. Yeah, yeah. That's my thought about it. I like that thought. Thank like you. Thought. Now, I'm going to talk about something I know is going to really tick you off. I can say tick, right? Let me see. Yeah, I can say tick you. Tick we you can off. say that? Yeah, we can say that. Okay. Um, those are our seven words we cannot say oh. on, on that wall. I know you won't say them. You're a lady. But I will yeah, say Yeah, I won't them, say so I want to make sure I don't say them. Yeah, I'll but, make sure. Um, I'll help I, you, Will. <laughs> but, you know, last Sunday, 
there was a, a movie that was remade. Um, it aired. Oh my God! I thought we were not going to talk about this. <laughs> I had to talk about it, you know, because we were talking about it again at the salon. A lot of people said they saw it. I knew when it was coming out. I don't even think I really saw the first one. We're talking about the remake of Roots, right? When that came out, um, did you see it? No, sir. Are you going to see it? it? Comes on tonight. No, sir. You're not. No. Okay. I'm not going to see it. I, and the reason why is that I saw. I mean, I watch Roots a lot of times, uh-huh. and um, my take on it is that it's history. Uh-huh. It's important. Uh-huh. It happened. Um, it was a long time ago, uh-huh. um, but today, right now, um, life is different. Uh-huh. I mean, there's still things going on. Believe me, I'm not um, naive, to the, naive fact, yeah. to the fact uh-huh. that there's still negative things going on, uh-huh. you know, um, in our race. Right. However, you know, when I um, look at the world in a whole, there's so many people that are married to different nationalities. Right. And, you know, the times, so, have, you know, times, times have, have changed, changed to a certain extent. Right, to a certain extent, right. absolutely. But you need to know that. Yeah. It's yeah. important and you need to know. Yeah. But at the end of the day, what, we don't have to keep reliving that right. because we already know what happened. And that's exactly what I feel. Yeah. Um, I know Snoop Dogg had went on a rant that he was saying that, you know, people are trying to hold us back or constantly bombard us with those thoughts. Right. Um, and, and I agreed with him. I and then Roland that. Martin, he came back and he really, he really smashed Snoop Dogg talking about, you know, he was saying how other movies could be made, other positive movies, but that, you know, people like Snoop Dogg aren't investing in those movies to be made. They're just complaining, basically sitting on the sideline complaining. Um, but I, in particular, I had no no desire to see Roots in the beginning. Um, like you said, I'm not naive to the fact that racism, you know, still exists, to that slavery did exist in the past. I, I know that, and if I had kids, I would want them to know their history. Sure. Mm-hmm. But to constantly be, be bombarded with those thoughts, you know, we're in a different day. Get beyond it. You know, those exactly. are the things that, you know... Um, they were saying a lot of people say, you know, those are the things that America was built on, on slavery back and things like that. But we're not there anymore. Right. Um, so move beyond it. That's what I'm saying. That's true because my, my thing of it is is that knowing that it's important, but being a slave to that, yeah. how is that? It's not going to help me mm-hmm. make any money, put any men, uh, money in my pocket true. or help me pay my bills true. if I keep living that. But my thing of it is, it's important to me, is that the changes I can make in the Paula B. world. And in, and in the world, positive right, reality. Right, in a positive reality. Right. And the thing of it is, is that being my brand, positive reality, I have to be positive all the way around. Right. Um, and the thing of it is, is that I can only change what's in my world. Uh-huh. And to let you know that it's all about love for me. And once I demonstrate that and educate and be an example for my children and my children's children, then that will chip away mm-hmm. for me. This is how I think from the racism. Mm-hmm. You see, because if everybody lived like that and they were, and they just chip away from it a little bit, but you still have those outliers, you know what I mean? That want to keep it going. And there's nothing I can do about that. All I can do is handle my world and, and show, demonstrate love and peace. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm about. That's good. Thanks. You know what, with this movie, a lot of people, just to be fair, they were saying that, you know, people who did watch it saw that it really wasn't a remake of the whole story. This one really gave a lot of background as to um, Kunta Kinte and his descendants afterwards. And it was pretty much showing, um, like, the resiliency of the slaves and, you know, how they maintained their integrity throughout all that and everything. My whole thing was figure out a different way to do it. 
Right. Do a different movie. Right. Do, I just, exactly. I, I was, I'm tired of seeing you. Know. Right. You get tired. Of you, and then you talk about it, but you still got to get up. Yeah. You still got to go to work. Yeah. You still got to go get that green paper because yeah. everything is <laughs> yeah. green. Right. You know what right. I mean? We can make it about black and white, but at the end of the day, it's all about green. Right. Because that's what everybody loves. Exactly. Are you an Oprah fan? I am. People always say that I look oh, like you Oprah. Do I don't look think like Oprah. all the time. People stop with your me. curly hair when you have, wear your curly yes. hair. Yes, all the time. People either that or Gladys Knight cracks me up. I don't see Gladys. I, I see. I see Oprah. I yes. definitely see that. Yes. Well, anyway, um, you know, I go to church on Sundays and I come home mm-hmm. for my second service, mm-hmm. and I'm watching Oprah Super Soul Sunday. She's my 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 second pastor, Pastor Oprah. Right. But um, she asked a question that really was good on Sunday. She said. What's the lesson that took you the longest to learn? I'm going to ask you that, and then I'm going to answer. Hmm. The, Think about it. I What's am. the lesson? And, you know, my lesson, I'm still learning. I think one of the lessons that, that took me the longest to learn is to be patient and um, to be a better listener. Really? Yes. I, I, I am a great listener now. Um, I've learned that I don't have to be seen or heard because sometimes it's better to listen mm-hmm. uh, because I walk away with um, a lot of knowledge and I give everybody an opportunity to have their platform. And um, my dad told me that as well uh, because I was always a chatterbox, da 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 never listening, never mm-hmm. listening. So you find out a lot about people when you listen. Um, so those are the two things. So, so were you somebody that like dominated the conversation you... I could because I was always all over the place. So uh-huh. I, you know, I, you know, I have a very gregarious personality. Right. You know, my mom just told me that the, um, today <laughs> and I get all overly excited. Uh-huh. So my husband used to, we'd go to parties uh-huh. and somebody could be talking to me and I'll be talking. And next thing I know, they're like in mid sentence. I left. I didn't even realize it because I'm trying to get over here to the Not next. ADHD, are you? <laughs> Borderline, maybe. Maybe. Okay. My husband hates me. <laughs> I am. I am. I know yeah. I am. My girlfriend said me all the time, but I've gotten better with uh-huh. that. You know, I, you know, it was pointed out to me uh-huh. and I was like, then I caught well, myself it's doing fine. it. You're gifted. We're gifted people. I know. Yeah. But, but I had to work on that. too slow for us. That's why we, we always have to have our hands or something busy and we can't deal with slow people. See, I think, and plus I'm from um, Connecticut. I'm a New Englander, oh, yeah. so that's another thing, yeah. you know, because we, you know, we move fast, fast, yeah. fast. Yeah. Well, for me, the lesson that I'm still learning, Nikki, she, Nikki, you know, everybody tells me except myself is that I really don't realize that I really am good enough. Um, I always question myself. I always hold myself back. Um, and people are always telling me that I'm ready. Like for me, I wasn't ready. I wouldn't be ready to do this until I graduated. You know, everybody said, you know, go do it. Go mm-hmm. apply. And I emailed the studio, and the studio gave me the show. You know, I was thinking that I, I needed to go to school some more. I needed to do some more shows, um, do some more hosting before I was ready. Um, so I second-guessed myself, which I hold myself back a lot. So the lesson that I'm still learning is that I, I have everything I need to make my dreams come true. I just need to stop second-guessing myself. Um, Nikki Curry, my publicist, she's always telling me that as well. Um, Nate Whitfield, you know, um, close friend of mine. Everybody always tells me, yes. you're great. This, this, this. And you I don't are. see it. It makes me cringe to hear that for some it reason. It does? Yeah. You're like absolutely amazing. Don't well. do it. Don't do it. I'm telling you. And you know <laughs> that I'm the most honest person. I'll let you know. Um, that's one of the things I like about our relationship mm-hmm. is that. The honesty. Um, the honesty. Yeah. Because we want each other to be so successful. Right. But you are absolutely amazing. You are gifted. 
um, multi-talented. Really? Oh my goodness, yes. But I get you because I feel the same way okay. about myself. Really? Yeah. Okay. All, right. All the time, but I get you. We have a few more minutes. What else you want to talk about? You were talking about a whole bunch of subjects coming over. Chick-fil-A. Oh, this. my God. I forgot about that. I um, You eat that Chick-fil-A? I love Chick-fil-A. What do you get? Uh, I get one? the um, soup and their grilled nuggets. Who like goes two- to Chick-fil-A and gets the soup? Everybody, especially the tortilla soup in the wintertime. I love it. Really? Do yeah. you eat their breakfast? No, I used to eat the breakfast, but when I changed my eating habits, because those um, Chick-fil-A biscuits were absolutely amazing. I had there's too many calories in there. Uh-huh. Even though what I learned when I used to go to Weight Watch is that Chick-fil-A, one of the reasons why if you have to eat fast food, it's best to eat Chick-fil-A because they compress their chicken to get all the fat out. That's why when you oh. buy it, it's not greasy. Okay, and that's really the only thing I eat there is a Chick-fil-A sandwich and the nuggets. Well, the, the nuggets are good, but have you ever tried the grilled nuggets? Uh-uh. That sounds a little too healthy for me. It is amazing, especially if you dip it in that uh, buffalo sauce. Really? It's the bomb.com. Okay. Well, what's going on with Chick-fil-A? Well, I just found out that Chick-fil-A is rolling out a new app that will let their customers skip long lines at the register. Um, the app is called Chick-fil-A One. And what will happen is once you register um, on their website, they will give you free goodies. And from January, I'm January. Gosh, I'm bringing us back in one time. <laughs> from June 1st to June 11th, to celebrate the launch of this app, Chick-fil-A is giving away free Chick-fil-A sandwiches for everyone who downloads it between that time. Did you download it? I did not because I don't eat the sandwiches like that. You can bring it for me. Oh, okay. Okay. I'll, so give, I'll I, get it. Yeah, you'll get it. I'm going to download the app and I'll give it to you. Um, once you download the app, um, they will continue to give free giveaways for food beyond the launch, which is really cool. I love Chick-fil-A. Their customer service is like amazing. They My are pleasure. Known Yes, yeah. they are they known for their, my pleasure. Yeah. Yes, they are known for their top-notch service. Really? Okay. Absolutely. I have to download the app. Yes, yeah, you got I'm, I'm on that diet thing too, so I don't eat out that much. But when I do, like I said, like if I'm at the salon and I can't, you know, bring my lunch, I will go to Chick Fil A. Right. I, I love it. So, so how's your um, 40-day challenge coming? I'm behind. I am. I'm doing pretty well. This week, I didn't do as good as I, I normally mm-hmm. do, and I, I, I could, I can feel it. Number one, because I was going every day. I work out. Monday through Friday. This week, I've only been two days. I missed Monday because it was a holiday. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, not sleeping as good as I was last week, but uh, I'm going to make it up. I feel, yeah. I, I still feel pretty good about it, though. Well, I, I'm and I'm trying to develop a habit. Yeah. And see, what my schedule, I have been so busy. Mm-hmm. And um, so, when I don't get a chance to work out, I cut down my eating out all the way. But I'm excited because tomorrow is my first tap lesson. Tap. Yes, that's my favorite thing to do. Oh I love gosh. to dance. Yeah, I know. At, um, what is it? Bala Fusion? Bala Fusion. Yes. With Marquita. Yes, Marquita. She is the bomb.com. Yes, so she I'm is. excited. Um, bro, here I come. Yeah. I got my tap shoes all dusted off. I'm ready to go. Yes, yes, yes. Well, you know what? We're going to take a break. When we come back, we have our first guest, Mr. John Patrick Adams. Like I said, I found him on. YouTube. A friend of mine told me to look him up because I was looking for like a Iyanla Fix My Life type guest. And he definitely is that. So after this break, he's going to come on. He's going to help fix my life. And hopefully yours, too, if you have anything that needs fixing. Absolutely. All right. So you're listening to Let's Face It. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Let's Face It. With straight morning friend. We'll be right back. Not on my watch. Our military service members say... 
as they volunteer to serve. Not on my watch, they say, as they leave their families behind to keep the rest of ours safe. As they move out, stand firm, and take fire. So not on our watch, we say, to the severely ill or injured veterans who can't get the care they deserve, the therapists they need to walk again, the treatment they need to talk again, the lifetime of day-to-day -day help they need to live full and independent lives. When there's no more government funding, or a nursing home seems like the only option, or everyone says there's no hope for recovery, we won't leave one warrior behind. Not on our watch. Find out how you can do your part at findwwp.org. You're listening to WODU, ODU source for radio and television. Check us out on Spreaker, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, 89.3 FM and Channel 70-1 on campus for some of the best programming from students right here at ODU. Thank you for listening to the Monarch Source for College Radio, WODU. You are now listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Now back to the show. Well, we're back. Um, our guest is on the line. Mr. John Patrick Adams, he is an author, composer, pianist, blogger, certified life coach, motivational speaker, and those you know, those are just a few of the hats that he wears. Um, as a native of Dallas, Texas, he wrote a book called Naked, which we're going to talk about tonight um, in 2013, where he takes us along a journey, basically, to transparency, um, dealing with complications of love, positive self-worth moving forward from your past mistakes, and living life with purpose. So I asked him here today, you know, I've been going through a couple things, you know, a bad breakup for the past year, June 8th actually being the one-year anniversary, um, and through his online blog platform, The Truth Bowl, um, I read a couple of his blogs that seemed to be amazing. So I wanted to talk to him um, tonight and bring him on the show. So please welcome to Let's Face It for the very first time, Mr. John Patrick Adams. How are you, John? I'm great, Will. How are you? Thank you for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for calling in. So I just want to start, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how you um, became a life coach. Okay. Um, again, thank you for having me. And my name again is John Patrick Adams. And um, my journey started maybe about, um, I guess, almost six years ago. And I just started out, I was, you know, pretty much had reached a point in my life where um, I wanted to, you know, see my life change and start going in a different direction. Mm -hmm. So from there, I started writing. I started out blogging. And once I started out blogging, my blogging eventually turned into a book. And I wanted um, people to really know that I was serious about what I was doing. So opposed to just being a guy that's out there randomly blogging, I went and uh, went through this certification process to become a certified life coach because, again, I really want to, you know, help people, you know, live their own truth and be the best person they can be. And that's pretty much how, you know, it all came to pass. Okay. So the video that someone sent me through YouTube is when you were basically talking about living an authentic life. And I hear that a lot, people talking about walking in your truth, living an authentic life. For people who don't necessarily get that because I'm just now starting to get it, what does what what does that mean when people say live an authentic life or live your truth in your in your own words? Um, it just means pretty much you know embracing who you are 
and really, really accepting, you know, your flaws, your perfections, and so forth, and getting out of the mindset of having to please everyone else and live up to standards and morals and perceptions and so forth, and just, you know, find that place where you are happy, you know, with you, mm-hmm. you know, just just 100% happy and whatever um, that truth is, because I think a lot of times people, you know, as, as Christians, you know, the church tells us who we should be. Right. Growing up, our parents tell us who we should be. And, you know, once we, you know, get, you know, older, we struggle with our own true selves because secretly or inwardly we know that that person that we're told that we should be, that's not who we are. And you have to get to that point where you just say, I'm just going to be me. You know, and you can't worry about if people are going to accept you or if they're going to reject you. You just have to be you because the people, one thing I've learned is authenticity attracts authenticity. Mm-hmm. And if you want to get around other people that are, you know, living their own truth, you have to live your own and send that out and you will attract that. What were you saying, Paula? That that is so true. I um I I'm not afraid to say it. I'm I'm 56, and I just fell in love with my own self. I just learned how to love me, and I'm so proud to talk about that because it does take people a long time to really get to know themselves. And I mean, I love myself so much at this point I can date my own self. <laughs> that, I mean, that's just the truth of the matter. Um, but the type of person that I am, um, and I want to ask you this, I, I'm really flexible in my thinking and I'm the type of person I, so I let you do you and let you do your thing and let you be you and love you where you are. Um, and I think sometimes people think that that's, that's the wrong thing to do, but because I'm a respecter of person, and I think that that's okay. And I've learned to be that way because you're not going to be the way that I want you to be, but you're not, everybody is made differently, but I'm going to love you where you are until you decide that you, you want to change or whatever it is that you want to do. Just be that. And, and I'm cool with that. Huh. Right. And, I, and, and Paul, I really think what you just said, loving people where they are. I think that is like so wonderful because So many people are just looking for someone to accept them for who they truly are. You know, no facade, no mask, just, you know, the person who they can just go to and just, you know, take, you know, just strip down and expose themselves. People are really just looking to be embraced, you know, for who they are. No judgment, no, you know, no rejection, just. Love me, and I think once we reach that point where we can love people for who they are, we'll see a lot of more happy people. And I think once you get a certain age, because I'm in the second phase of my life, mm-hmm. um, you begin to mellow out because the thing of it is where I am right now, it's all about making memories and long-lasting memories. Mm-hmm. And um, you just begin to realize what's important and what's not important. And what's important is that you want to live your last day, just like Ellen Iverson told me, um, like it's your last and, um, forget about the past and just go what's going on right now. Right. You know what, for me, um, and I, and I was telling John a couple of things, you know, growing up all my life in my family, appearances were important. 
So, you know, we all learned how to fit the mold of what our family was supposed to represent. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately, I've carried that into my adulthood. You know, I'm 45 now. And, you know, when Nikki comes to get her hair done, you know, we have all these good, 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 we're each other's life coaches. So we had a conversation the other week, and I was like, you know, I really feel what's holding me back is that I'm not really fully walking in my truth. I, I know that myself. Mm -hmm. And I try to, you know, I try to... Um, I don't know if I'm struggling with something or what, but or if I'm just struggling with the fact that I know, a lot, I'm, I know along the journey to me living my truth that some people are going to fall by the wayside. That's just how it is. Um, and I don't know if I'm afraid of the rejection. I don't know if I'm afraid of disappointing some people. I don't know what the issue is. But, but I don't think that should be the case, though, because if they love Will and love you for who you are, they shouldn't fall back. If they're falling they back to me, that's, I think that that's selfish because you don't understand well. Mm -hmm. But you, but on the same token, you want they want you to understand them and where they are. They should be able to do reciprocate the same thing, and I think that that's where the problem comes in. Mm -hmm. You want me to do you, but you exactly. don't want to do me. So, what do you say, John? Exactly, and you, and Will, the funny thing is, you just said you you don't know if you're afraid of rejection, mm -hmm. but you are rejecting your own self. So right. it's ironic. We're afraid of someone else rejecting us, but when we're not living our own truth and we're not walking in who we really are, we we are rejecting our own selves. And you know, so it's already it, there's still a form of rejection there. And you know, I I've learned that it's amazing we go through life and we believe that people are going to reject us and maybe they're not going to accept or love the person that we are. But you'll be surprised. People will love you more when you are authentically you and you are being true to who you know you're supposed to be because as long as you are living in the shell, you're really not even giving those people the opportunity to get to know you, to know whether or not they are not going to like you. So, you know, you have to just, like I said, reach that point where it's not important what other people think about you. If God is pleased with the person you are and you're living who you believe he created you to be, what anyone else thinks, that's not your concern. Yeah. But why, can I ask you a question, John? But, I mean, mm -hmm. I understand what you're saying, but we are concerned about what people think about us. Um, it's important to us. And how, how, how can you separate that? Because, you know, it's important to me what Will thinks because mm. – I'm, I'm going to ask him a question and he's going to give me the honest answer because it's important to me. So, I mean, I, I kind of disagree with that a little. Okay. And, and, and uh, I, I get that, but I think that we shouldn't care about what someone thinks if it's going to hinder us from being who we truly are, mm -hmm. because you know, these people are being who they think they should be. Right. So right. why can't you be who you think you should be based on their thoughts and their opinions? And That's one true. thing I have learned is that people are fickle. So if you're going to be living your life based on what others think, you're going to be on a constant emotional roller coaster because day by day people think or judge you based on how they're feeling at the moment. Right. And when I first when I first started my journey, one of the first books I read was the Four Agreements. And one of the agreements is take nothing personal. And the reason they say take nothing personal is because one day Paula Will can come to you and say, wow, you're beautiful. I mean, I love the way your hair or the way you look in that dress. And he's feeling good, so that's how he sees you. So maybe a month later you have the same dress on, your hair is exactly the same, but Will had a bad moment. 
And Will, at that moment, his perception of you is completely different based on how he's feeling at the moment. So he may not give you that same response. So when someone I've learned, when someone gives me a compliment, I'm happy. When they give me a criticism, I'm happy because I know at any moment it's subject to change. Mm. Mm. That was powerful. That was true. Yeah, that was true. But let me ask you this question. Okay, so I have a huge testimony that I'm just sitting on. I talked to Nikki about it. I know a lot of people will be blessed by some of the health things I've been through, some of the legal things I've been through, Mm -hmm. some of the things with depression, suicide, I'm telling you now, but, you know, um, things that I'm sitting on, but I'm like, oh, my God, what are they going to think? What would they think if they know? That's what I'm thinking about. Um, so I want to know, so to live authentically, do, do you have to tell all your business? Is that, you know, is that what living authentic is? I don't think you need that to you... tell everything. No, you don't tell your business. And I think, I think that's where a lot of people um, make their mistakes a lot of times is because they think in order to be transparent, you have to go out and tell people, this is what I, who I am, this is what I've done, and so forth. And I think it's a difference in telling your testimony and telling your business. And most times people tell the business. The testimony is the triumph over mm. um, your, your previous situations. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go into great detail and, and tell people everything that got you to the place that you are. You know, it's not all about that. It's about where you are and how you overcame. It's not always about what you overcame. And I think that's what a lot of us we believe that in order for people to relate to us, we have to tell them every single detail. And I'm a firm believer, some things is just for God to know. You know, not even your parents, not even your closest friends, because Mm -hmm. friends are here today, again, and people are fickle, so they'll feel one way one day, and the next day feel another. So you just, you know, you don't have to tell your business to tell your testimony. That's true. Let me ask you another question. Uh, you being a life coach, and I've always wanted to ask, I know so many people that are life coaches, how do you, after listening to everybody's issues and, and counseling, how do you get relief from all of that? What is your outlet? Um, I constantly read. I, I constantly read. Because um, I read other other bloggers' um, information, I mean, blogs as well, or I'm constantly watching things that are inspirational. And then I always try to surround myself with people who are inspiring as well because, you know, um, I've I've always been in church my entire life. I've always been in church, and I'm a musician, and I've always led choirs. And when you're in those positions, you are always, you know, faced with dealing with other people's problems or listening to other people's problems. So what I do to replenish myself is, you know, I have to get away from it, separate myself, and sometimes I may not even watch television or anything like that, and I'll just come home and just, you know, like I said, I'll read because I have to read stuff that motivates me, you know, that motivates me to continue to, you know, help other people because, there are times that it is draining. So I read a lot. Um, I watch a lot of videos on YouTube or I listen to music or, you know, and, and when I listen to music, I'm just not listening to the melodies. I always try to, like, listen to the lyrics and and that that seems to inspire me and re-energize me. Wow. That's great. We all need to do that. <laughs> That's what I think. 
Okay, so yeah, yeah I, I agree. agree. Let's move into this this help fix my life situation. Yeah, let's you know, fix I, us, John. Yeah, fix yes, us. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, so John, I told you, you know, I'm this next 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 Wednesday is going to be a day that I'm going. Y'all going to have to check on me. Okay. So June 8th, this marks the one year anniversary that me and my ex broke up, or I broke up with my ex. Um, life has been pure hell for me ever since then, emotionally. Um, it's been an emotional roller coaster ride. I feel like you know, I told, I used to tell people that I feel like I wasted 16 years of my life in this relationship. After reading one of your blogs. Um, I gave you the best of me that you wrote on April 7th. I see that, you know, that the relationship did serve a purpose. Um, you know, unfortunately, my situation, you know, we own a business together. I see the person all the time. Right. Um, the person wants to maintain the friendship, which I don't mind. Um, but I'm still yearning for that relationship and trying to separate and move on. Um, 16 years ago, you know, I was I was young. I was looking good. You, you know, body, good, body was right <laughs> and everything, you know, was where it was. <laughs> You know, things have changed, so I'm finding myself having to start all over again, dating again. You know, all these apps weren't out, you know, back yeah. then. Black people meet, stuff like that. .com. Weren't even out back then, you know. Finding myself starting over again and in these rebound relationships that aren't working out. Um, how do I move on? What's your advice, John? What You know, I read the blog. I, I read the, you know, I gave you the best of me. How do I move on? What do I do? I, I need to put, I'm approaching a year, I need to put this behind me. Well, you know, I mean, 16 years is a lot of your life. So it's not going to happen in, a, you know, it could happen in a year, it could happen in five years, it could happen in eight years. It all depends Ooh, on how bad you're wanting to get out of that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's really up to you, you know, how quick you get over it. And most times when we come out of a relationship, I always tell people when you come out of a situation, whether it was a good or a bad relationship, you need to take time to get to know the person you are today, the person you are now that you're out of that relationship. Because every time we come out of a situation, we come out of it different than what we went into it. Mm-hmm. And especially if it was a situation that ended you know, badly or abruptly or something like that, we have a lot of baggage you know, when we come out of the situation. So I always encourage people, you know, before you even start dating people, before you even get back out in the dating scene, get to know the person you are today. And once you get to know that person, and, and you have to start first by forgiving yourself. You have to forgive yourself for staying in that situation as long as you did. Right. Because I'm quite sure there may have been times that you knew that you needed to walk away from the relationship. True. But you stayed in it because of hope, uh, things getting better. And, you know, then, you know, I don't know exactly why you came out of the relationship. And to be honest with you, it really doesn't matter why you came out of the relationship. At this point, the only thing that matters is that you are out of it. And your whole life is ahead of you. The life that you're going to know now uh, is ahead of you. So you have to, you know, you know, embrace who you are. And embracing who you are, embrace that. I mean, you have to, you know, tell yourself, maybe I was a fool in that relationship. And maybe I did take a lot of stuff that I shouldn't have taken while in that relationship. But why did I take that? And they, these are the things that most times we don't want to get to the core of the problem, we want to blame the external factor for things that are really internal. Mm. Because, you know, what keeps us in relationships so long, 
when maybe they're not good for us. And they feel good at that moment. They feel good while we're in there. And the funny thing about that is they feel so good that time is passing us by so quickly because we get lost in time. And then there are those instances where, you know, we stay in situations, like I said, unhealthy situations for us. We stay in unhealthy situations, and we are looking for someone to, like we talked about at the beginning, to accept us. And when we're wow, in relationships... Yeah. Validation. Huh? That validation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, validation. We're looking for that person that is going to love us completely. And I, it's funny. We always say, well, we hear people, well, I want that person to complete me and feel the void in me. I don't want anybody to feel the void in my life. I want to go into a relationship complete and whole, and I want that person to enhance my attributes. Right. I don't want you to complete me. I want you to enhance me, uh, bring out even greater in me. And most times we're just looking for love, and that love that we're looking for should be love that we're giving ourselves. So, you know, Will, what I would encourage you to do at this point in your life, you're out of the relationship, take some time. Don't, don't try to jump back in it. And people believe the best way to get over somebody is to be under somebody or to be on top of somebody Ooh. or to be with somebody. Hey. hey. <laughs> that, that's not the best way. I found that out. Those, yeah. are, only, those are only distractions. Yeah. They're distracting you from moving forward. They, they, they are, you know, occupying your mind temporarily. Mm-hmm. And you just have to get out of it and... You know, clear your mind and then detox them. Detox that person out of your life. And and that takes time, especially after 16 years. That is, that's longer than some people live. Yeah. So to be in a relationship for 16 years, and like you said, you got in there, you were 29 years old. You were kind of like what you believe is your prime or what can be considered your prime. You utilize your whole entire 30s in a relationship that ends when you're in your 40s. Right. And during this time, like you said, your body has changed and, you know, you look at yourself differently. You'd be like, dang, I could have been doing X, Y, Z. But one thing that you have to learn sometimes, Will, is that even these bad situations, we believe are time wasted and they utilize some of the uh, best years of our lives. Sometimes those situations are protection as well. And they're protection from ourselves because if we were free and able to do a lot of the stuff that we uh, wanted or mm-hmm. thought we should be doing, it's no telling where your life would be today. It could be completely different. You may not be hosting right. a radio show that's impacting other people's lives. So you have to go through that to be where you are today. So I really believe that once you get to that place that you embrace those 16 years and find the lessons in those, what you perceive as being a failure, you're going to realize that you are the best you today. And, you know, one of the things, um, you know, I've been married, I'm getting ready to celebrate my anniversary on June 13th. And my husband and I dated when I was 18 and, you know, back and forth, back and forth. He got married. I was supposed to get married. But we were always, like, real cool best friends. I could tell talk to him about anything. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when we got married, we went through our peaks and our valleys. And, you know, right now it's just, like, where it should be. Mm. You know, we're having fun. 
we're enjoying ourselves. But one thing that I learned watching Oprah, because I'm an Oprah fan too, it that really resonated <laughs> with my spirit, and I learned this many, many years ago, is that I always look for my husband to make me happy. Uh. It's not his responsibility to make me happy. It's my responsibility. And I think in a relationship, right. when we stop putting so much responsibility on the other, on person. The other person and respect their place where they are at that time. That's when it comes to, you have to be flexible in your thinking. It makes the relationship better. And that's just a learning lesson. Uh And once you start learning those things um, and learn their love language, I think things would be a lot better. But because we have so much expectation on our mates. And then another thing, what you said too, is that like your ex even though this cracks me up too, you can say that I'm this, I'm that, you know, complain about all these things. But then when you go to the next Joker, that is, they got the same thing. Or mm. you know, you're gonna find out their dark side, yeah. and you're gonna say, "Oh, I should have stayed over there," because everybody has a dark side. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks the grass is green mm-hmm. on the other side, and it's not, because you always have to learn that person's dark side, mm-hmm. because they're gonna give you the peanut butter and fluff in the beginning. But when that dark side come up, you're gonna be like, "I should stay exactly where I was at." Yeah. You know what, and that, that's that's funny that you said that because looking back now over a year, what I broke up with them about, you know, I should have just gotten over it. I should have really just, and what, it doesn't make it right, doesn't make it wrong, it's just the fact of what happened. And, you know, after 16 years, if I, if it was happening again now, I would have just gotten over it. I would have taken some time and just gotten over right. it. Um, that's when that unconditional love yeah, comes in. That's yeah. when that flexibility, that's when it comes knowing your mate. But the thing that we fail to realize that I realized you got to look at that man in the mirror. Uh-huh. I can't hold you, my mate, to a higher standard than I hold myself, and that's what we do. Yeah. And then we forget mm-hmm. that we've done things, and then we forget to forgive. Uh-huh. Don't forget what you did to me, okay? Because my mother said, you know, like she said, I'm from Missouri, the uh-huh. show-me state. You uh-huh. know what I mean? I can show you, but <laughs> I can tell you. My mom always says that. Uh-huh. But the thing of it is is that we forget. Yeah. So you have to stop, which is another life lesson for me, and look at the man in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And then that comes with not being judgmental. Yeah. Um, and then once you realize that, because my mate is not perfect. You know, I, I can complain and we can always make them look like the bad guy because we have a tendency just to talk about the negative stuff and not the great stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you go to write down everything on paper, it all evens itself out. What do you think, John? I agree. I agree. And I mean, like uh, you, you said something really great. We have to accept people for where they are. Yeah. You know, no one is perfect, and we're not perfect. And once you accept people for where they are, embrace them, you'll really see the brighter side of your situation opposed to all the negativity. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you 100%. Exactly, because the thing, I mean, it's just a respected person. I like to tap dance. I don't expect my husband to come tap dancing with me because he doesn't like to tap dance. You know, am I going to go out and find somebody just because he doesn't like to do it? I'm going to go on the other side because he doesn't like to tap dance. No, I'm not going to do that. You know, I don't like watching sports. You know, that's his thing. That's what he likes to do. You have to give each other room for their, your personal space for what you like to do and respect that. Mm-hmm. I may not want to join in with you, but I respect what you do and you go ahead and do your thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'll check on you later. But again, that's a life lesson and a growing mechanism. Yeah. You know, in one of John's mm-hmm. blog, Perfect Versus Right, which was done on May 16th, he did, he was talking about Beyonce's CD Lemonade. Have you listened to Lemonade? I heard about it. Yeah, I watched the, the the video and everything. You know, everybody's talking about, you know, she's talking about um, Jay-Z, 
blah, 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 about the relationship. Yeah, yeah but mm-hmm. what, she's still there. She realized, you know, that they're better together. And, John, you know, you wrote this, and I just read it. I sent it to a couple people. I posted it on our website, on the Facebook pages, um, and people were just saying, you know what, well, that's a great way to look at it. And sometimes you have to realize that you're just better together. Do you mind talking about, just summarizing what you were talking about in Perfect versus Right on your blog? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I just think that a lot of times when we are dating, we're looking for the perfect person, and that perfect person is pretty much based off of the list of things that we think we want. You know, we know how we want the person to look, we know what we want them to have, um, and so forth. We know we have all of these lists that you know we check off, and and, and I was about to say it's mostly women that do it, but men do it as well. We have this list of all of these qualities we want. And this, once we make this person up, it's the perfect person that we believe uh, is for us. But when you look at the right person, the right person is that person, again, like uh, Paul was just saying, that recognizes that you're not perfect, they see your own, they see the flaws in you, and they're willing to love you for where you are. And you, the, the, the right person like Jay-Z, everybody's going on about how Jay-Z cheated on Beyonce, but Beyonce understands that this person is a creative genius, he is a mogul, he's able to see talent in me and help uh, Miko to high level, and I think Beyonce could probably, you know, stand on her own. That's true, right. she can't do that. But the two of them together, they're unbelievable because their inner being complements each other. And a lot of times we're not looking for that person that is good for us. We're looking for that person that looks good uh, to everyone else, that looks mm-hmm. good to us, but not good for us. And, you know, Having somebody that's good on paper versus having somebody that's really going to be good in your life. Have your back. You should choose the person. Yeah, that the person right. that's going to be good for you in life, not on paper, mm-hmm. because you're going to live with that person. You know, so the right person is a person that is going to accept you for who you are, and that's going to love you for who you are, and that is going to bring out. The best in you, and I think again, most times we are looking for the perfect person, and that's what we mess up. That's where the forgiveness comes in. And, I forgave. They ain't forgave. Well, see, that's that's the problem. And the thing of it is, is that you have just like I just wrote in my post earlier. You have to, you have to forgive because at the end of the day, when your life is almost over, mm-hmm. you're not going to think about any of that. You're going to think about. Uh, I got this from my dad. Um, before he died, he, he was saying that my mom, my mom and dad were divorced. He was like, out of everybody, out of his whole entire life, my mom was the best woman and he did things that were not right. But at the end of the day, he recognized that he, um, felt bad, you know what I mean? For what he had done and put her through, but he knew that that was the best woman for her because my mom took care of my dad when he was um, dying of prostate cancer and there was nobody else there. That's how you know you have a right to die. You know, who's going to take mm-hmm. care of me? When if I get sick, who, who, who do you want to be there for you? Right. You know what I mean? All right, John, one of the questions that I wanted to know, um, what inspired you to write your book, Naked? 
Um, I had, um, like I said, before I wrote the book, I had been blogging for a year. And um, when I first started blogging, I was just writing my journey. Every day, it was myself and three other friends. We all started this blogging site, and it was called Christian Blogger Cafe. And most times when I wrote, I would always just write what was happening in my life at that very moment when I was writing the blog. And so as I continued to write and I uh, stayed on my journey, you know, and I thought, began to see how it felt to, you know, really strip myself of the facade and just live me and and just not worry so much about what everyone else was thinking, um, the person I should be. Didn't that inspire me to write the book Naked? Because Will said something earlier. I mean, my, my father was a, a pastor of a church. So my entire life, you know, it was always, light camera action. Right. You know, when we went to church, we had to be a certain way. And, you know, you go to school, we had to be a certain way. And I went that, you know, through my entire life living it like that. So once I reached that point, I was 38 at the time, and um, I had listened to a sermon by um, uh, Bishop Noel Jones, and it was called Renewing Your Mind. And um, the 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 sermon was talking about the, guy, the man at the Bethesda pool and how Jesus came to him and he asked him, do you want to be um, made whole? And Jesus knew the answer, but he asked the man because the man had to make a choice. Do you want to be healed? He wanted to be healed. And so once, what inspired me to write the book was as I started going through my journey, I wanted to help other people you know, get to that place where they could start living in the truth of who they are. Whoever that is, you know, just live and be free to who you are. So that's how the book came about, is just pretty much stripping yourself of the perceptions and the morals and just living your own truth. And what are a few of, if you can just give us an inside peek, what are the few of the takeaways that you want the the readers to really grasp from reading this book? Um, the two of the things, and it's pretty much all the same, is pretty much forgiveness, and that's, you know, pretty much forgiving yourself um, for, you know, allowing some of the things to happen in your life. You have to forgive yourself for that. And then you also forgive the people who did some of those things, you know, uh, to you. And then also the second thing would be just embrace yourself. Embrace who you are and embrace your past. And I think that's the most difficult part for people is because when they look at their past and their past looks so dark, mm-hmm. it's like we, we look at it and we say, nobody is going to love someone who's done all of this. No one is going to love this person. And um, so once you embrace your past and, and you you know, forgive yourself for it, and you take those chains off of it, because most times we're afraid that someone is going to expose us to of our past yeah, and our yes. secrets. Mm-hmm. But once you take that power away from them, which is embracing that and saying, that's who I was at the time, and because of that, that's who I, it, it, it has made me who I am today, that takes that power away from people. Mm-hmm. People can't hold your past over you if you don't let them. You have to embrace it and say, that's who I was. I made some mistakes, and that's not who I am today, and I'm moving forward. Okay, John, where can we purchase your book? Um, You can purchase my book on my site, um, johnpatrickadams.com, and every book is autographed, and it ships the same day. And uh, or you 
you can post it on my publisher site, which is Poetic Expression. It's spelled a little bit different, but it's P-E-A-U-X-E-T-I-C, expressions.com. So you can get the um, books um, there, either my site or on my publisher site. And they can follow you from the johnpatrickadams.com as well, right? Yep, I'm on all facets of um, uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, I'm on everything. So yeah, they can follow me from uh, directly from my site. What about the Truth Bowl? Can they get to you? Where where can they get more about that? Is that still? And actually, we're getting ready to uh, start back them in the Truth Bowl where. Um, uh, we took like a little break. It's myself and a team. Okay. Uh, we took a little break from feminine, but we're actually about to get ready to start back feminine. Um, the Truth Bowl, and they can find us on the YouTube on YouTube because Truth Bowl is pretty much a video platform. So uh, they can find us on the um, YouTube, the Truth Bowl, mm-hmm. and we're like I said, we're getting ready to start back up with that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, John, I want to thank you for coming on to the show. Hopefully, you'll be able to come back because um, I do definitely want to have you back on to talk about your next your your other book that you did in 2015, How to Win the Dating Game. Okay, you know, after I do all this work that you want me to do, you know, getting to know myself. People keep saying this is a time for you to get to know you. Yeah, date yourself. What? Yeah. Girl, you sound silly. I'm what? sorry. Yeah, you, you have to right. Yeah, what you afraid of, Will? I don't know. Jump out there, do your thing, <laughs> boo. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, if you can't date you, how can somebody else? You know what, right. right. And I read that you said that you've mastered the game of dating, so you're really good at it. All right, so I'm going to have to get some. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to come get one of your sessions so I can figure out exactly. Yeah, come on, man. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Well, I want to thank you for coming on to the show. Hopefully you'll come back again. Um, do you have any any final words before you go? Um, just live your own truth. And, again, thank you, Will, for having me. And thank you, Paula. It was uh, great talking with you on tonight as well. You as well. All right. It was awesome. You have a good evening. You too. Right. See you, John. That was great. Yes, 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 yes. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break because we have coming up R&B sensation. Miss Melba Moore will be in the studio. Before she comes, um, we do have a little bit more of the chat coming up. Right after this break, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Face It. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Let's Face It. We're straight on We'll be right back. We are. This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. They just told us right away that we're going to house you, we're going to feed you, and every single one of his medical bills is just all taken care of. They've saved my family from financial ruin. It allowed me and my wife both to focus on the most important thing, which was the health and well-being of our son. We have phenomenal research, outstanding clinical care, and the generosity of public, which allow us to treat patients regardless of what it takes. And that's what makes St. Jude so magical. At St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, families never receive a bill for treatment, travel, housing, or food, because the only thing a family should worry about is helping their child live. Doctors send us the toughest cases to be treated at St. Jude, and our patients come from all over the world. 
When we come here, they told me, don't worry, everything's been taken care of. We can never repay St. Jude for what they've given us. Because of you. Gracias a ti. Because, because of, of you. you. There is St. Jude. You are now listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Now back to the show. Welcome back. We're back in the studio with Miss Paula B. Hey. On our season three premiere episode of Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Um, Paula and I were talking during break. You know, we've been really working out. You know, a single man trying to lose weight. I have a goal that I'm trying to get to um, working out. But you saw something in the news about Spanx. You know, I wear Spanx. I did. I bought a Spanx. It was $75 a deal. Oh, my God. But I got. I want to let you guys know that Will says he needs to lose weight. But Will, you guys can't see Will. But Will looks amazing. He really does. He drops so much I, I, weight. You. I still have Your publicist is back there. She she's gonna agree with me. You look amazing, well, and he you. is like the sharpest dress dresser ever. I appreciate that. Oh my god! I, appreciate, I need my spanks on though. Yes, I wear <laughs> <laughs> I wear spanks every day. I was brought up that you you know your undergarments are very important. Uh huh. Um, it is hard today to find a slip, a regular slip. Right. Right. Um, but when I was googling about spanks. I found out some um, information that I didn't even know about. What, what was it? That um, sometimes um, Spanx can squeeze your organs. Did you know that? It feels it's like just it. Like, if they're like too it feels tight. Like it. it feels like it. I, I didn't. I, I'm just finding this out today. Yeah. You know what? When I went to go buy mine, I was I, in my mind, I was like, well, I want it to compress because I've, I've lost a lot of weight, but I haven't, you know, built and toned everything up. That's why I wear it pretty much for the firmness. And I was thinking in my mind, you know, you need to probably get one that's smaller, like smaller than your normal size. Right. But the lady at the store, she was like, no, make sure you get your normal size because if not, it's going to be too tight. So, you know, you talking about this article. What, what, what was it saying well, that it was what, doing? What it's saying that it does, like you shouldn't wear Spanx, which I wear, that comes all the way up to your um, bra line, especially if you have reflux mm-hmm. because it um, uh, compresses against your diaphragm right, right and also that it um causes um colon and intestine compression as well right right um and it can sometimes affects your breathing and i've had that i've had that. like it's hard like when i speak usually like i wear it when i go have to do a do um like a, a an appearance somewhere or whatever and i want to look really tight right but it's hard to speak because you know, you're using your diaphragm and everything right. and it's hard to exhale um, in those that's what because, they said yeah. and it also um, it can give you blood lead to blood clots if it's too tight yeah. like around your and legs your bowels or something yeah. like that and your, it obstru- yes all of that <laughs> I was like ooh and you wear it every day well yeah because I don't like to wiggle and jiggle I mean I right, lost a lot right. of weight and uh-huh. you know you it's, it's fabulous thank you it's, yeah. it's a journey uh-huh. but um, and because we're always out in the public right. um, I always like to look really nice in my yeah. clothes and you know hide the little tummy thing uh-huh. You know that I got going on, but I'm, I'm proud of myself. But again, um, once I started reading all this information about the Spanx, I was like, "Wow, I I, I didn't know." Uh-huh. So, so, is this going to prevent you from wearing it? Or no, gonna- no, no, no. Because at the end of the article, it says Spanx are good, but you just have to make sure you get your right size, the right fit, the right the fit. Right and fit. there's so many out there uh-huh. because the girl Sarah um, Barkley that um, invented the Spanx. Who uh, is filthy rich who because was filthy of our rich girl. And she started off Oprah. Oprah. Because as soon as <laughs> Oprah said that that was the best undergarment right, ever, right. her profits went up, went up. $10 million just because Oprah said so. Yeah. And she started off um, with a budget of 5000 Wow. Because she was just fixing faxes. And I yeah. guess one day 
she wanted to be a little tight, so uh-huh. she had some pantyhose and she just cut them off. Uh-huh. So now, of course, we I got the thought of that. I know, and I got my first pair of spanks from QVC, and that's where that's where um, her line is. That's when she started QVC, uh-huh. making thousands of dollars. Jeez. And I and I'm always in the spanks. Um, even when I wear pants, I'm in the spanks. Uh-huh. But I do have one question to ask you because Will is the fashion guru. Um, will you wear white pants? Do you wear black underwear? Do I wear should, black underwear? We? Will make you look make you look, your pants look dingy. So we should wear white underwear. I was always told you should always wear black underwear. Mm-hmm. To me, I, I've I've seen it and I've done it, and both of them they make your pants look dingy. Unless you have a lining. If you have a lining, you can wear pretty much whatever you want, like a light color. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually. Um, they're usually like lined in the pockets or lined to the um, to your knee. And black underwear usually makes them look dingy up in there. Oh, because mm-hmm. I wore a pair of white pants and How'd I. How'd you look? I thought I looked great, but what did everybody else say? They said I look fabulous, did, but I had on black underwear. Well, Lawrence, did, how does she look? We have Lawrence, Mister B, in the studio. Oh yeah, he's. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just I just wanted to know, and yeah. could you just tell me why is it so hard to find a slip, a regular slip? I don't think they make regular slips because of um, you know you, Spanx has a, a, a fitted garment mm-hmm. that w- which resembles a slip. I think probably you can go to like the Kmart, Walmart, and find a slip. But most people don't wear the traditional. You talking about the ones with the the lace and everything on it? Yeah, I really yeah. They like have the a complete thing. line of shapewear that you mm-hmm. can get, and some of them do resemble the slip. I saw. Um, I was watching one of my girls is also Gail King, Oprah's um, right, mm-hmm. um, and she had on the Spanx slip because I saw the bottom of it. But it was, it, was, it was nice. So they do make those. I, 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 have, I have not been looking, number one, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen the traditional slip yeah, like in more of your department stores. I'm sure you can find it at Walmart or whatever. Yeah, because there's... But I still do believe that women who wear things that maybe cling to their body, right. you do need that slip. You do. You do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, women are free, mm-hmm. you know, today. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I mean, there's um, the, the curvy women that, and I, and I applaud them because right. they are amazing. They are just doing their thing. Right. Tamla they, man. Right. They are not hiding anything. Right. Um, the, the clothes that they have for the curvy women is just awesome. Foundation is the key, though. You need yes. good, strong foundation yeah. so it's no lumps. No bumps, anything like that. You want to look nice and seamless. Right, and smooth. So that's why, uh, because I have lumps and bumps, I'm honest, but I like to look um, smooth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's why I wear the Spanx. But I'm going to. But that's another thing with um, wearing the ones that fit you as well. Right. Um, Because without, it's going to create a whole bunch of bulges and everything. You don't want that. So if you get your size, um, because I did get my size, mine is just like a a white beater tank top. That's Mm -hmm. what my Spanx is. Mm -hmm. Um, And with the size, it just makes you look smooth and makes you look firm. But if you get something that's too tight, a lot of people have the mentality that that I wanted to hold me in tight, so I'm going to buy one two sizes small. And it creates a whole bunch of bulges and lumps and bumps. You don't need that. You just want it to be very very nice and smooth, like you said. Well, my girlfriend uh, was telling me that um, I should take some saran wrap and wrap myself up and then put my spakes on. But then we talked about the whole duct tape thing, remember? Jesus, Jesus. Why y'all always got to ghetto, ghettoize everything? I'm just saying, because they were saying that it'll help you hold you in more if you... Read this article again, then tell me about that. Well, they don't say anything in here about saran wrap. But if I... you're doing your spanks, you're putting a whole bunch of duct tape, you want to fall out. That's what no. you want to do. You want to pass the hell out. <laughs> That's what you want to do. I just want to look smooth, Will, smooth. Well, I think this right here, the technology in the Spanx is is, is, is good enough. 
And make sure that you, because there are a lot of knockoffs out here. Because I purchased yes. them on As Seen for TV for $8. Ooh. And didn't do nothing. So I had to go, like I said, mine was $75. And it's just a tank top. But when I wear it, it's right. Yeah, that's that's, right. that's so that's, invest in it. I mean, because it'll last you a while if you take if you take care of it. it they do. And yeah. what's funny is that I, I can get in the car and my husband's like, um, "Babe, your Spanx is showing. Mm-hmm. That thing is showing. You need to you need to tighten that up." Yeah, and I, you know, and it does show sometimes when I laugh at him. Mm-hmm. It's like, why do you have to wear them things? I'm like, because I, I have to look. Sweet. It holds you in. I, yeah. I mean, I suggest it if you're going to wear anything that's like you said, you Especially don't want to jiggle or anything gown. like that. Yeah. yeah. You want to smooth. Mm-hmm. But like that duct tape and everything, that just creates a whole bunch of bulges. And then saran wrap, what you going to do? You're going to sweat. Yep. You do you, you want to pass out? No, I don't want to pass out, but I want to look amazing, okay. fabulous. Hey. Wear, this, wear your shapewear. And like I said, they have all different types. The one piece, have you seen the one piece that you can wear? Um, yeah, but I would have problems with that when it was time to go to the ladies' room. So that's why I just wear. Um, no, it's like the full slip. Oh, I, I saw that. It, it provides lift for your bust, kind of slams your waist, and then it smooths over your hips to keep from, from jiggling. Oh, I'll, I'm going to try that. Yeah. yeah, they have those. Yeah, I'm definitely going to try that. Yeah. I'll go to Dillard's. You go to what? Dillard's. Okay. Or Macy's. I love Dillard's Macy's. I know. Yeah, I love Macy's. I'm a Macy's yeah. girl all the way. Yeah. Well, I'm going to ask you something real quick while we're waiting for sure. our, our guest to call in. Um, so, you know, it was graduation season. St- Steven Spielberg, you know who that is, right? Yes, I love him. Oscar-winning director. He dropped off at the college. Um, he was at Harvard talking to the graduating class. And basically he gave, a, you know, a motivational spe- speech. And he was talking to them pretty much in terms of making a movie. Here are some things he said. He said, what you choose to do um, next is what we call in the movies a character-defining moment. We told the grads as, a, as they prepare to face the future... Now, these are the moments that you're very familiar with, like those in Star Wars. You know what? We, our guest is calling in. Oh, I'm so excited. So what we're going to do is we're going to come back to this after the, okay. after the show. Sounds Hold on great. for a second. Thanks for calling Let's Face. Is this Ms. Melba Moore? Yes, it is. How are you? How Am are I you? Welcome to calling. Welcome to Let's Face It. How are you? Oh, great. Am I early? No, you're on time. You're on oh, time. Okay, great. Thanks for calling in. Um, I wanted to give you a proper introduction, but you're so prompt, so I didn't have time. But um, everyone I know, like I said, I was at a a luncheon, and we were talking about Melba Moore being on the show, and um, everybody was naming out their favorite songs. Most of them were Lean (laughs) On Me and The Other Side of the Rainbow. Um, After your interview, I'm going to play one of your songs that I've fallen in love with. Um, It's My Time Again from your your city. Yes, I love love that that song. (laughs) Um, we have Miss Paula B in the studio. She says you, you've talked to her before. Yeah, um, last week or the week before last. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's get started. You know, you grew up in a musical family. Now, how yes. did you finally discover that music was for you, though? Oh. <laughs> um, well, by the time it was time to go to high school, uh, we could have some choices. I, I started out in New York City. Uh, with a single uh, mom, and she married my stepfather, who is still a, a working musician at 100 years old. Just had a 100 <laughs> birthday, um, and um, they. Uh, my mother was a singer, my stepfather was a piano player and singer, and they worked together. So music was in the home, and we all t- took piano lessons. And all my, uh, now, 
from my stepfather. Now I had aunts and uncles and cousins. Everybody was in music. And so we just became, music was a set of piece of our lives and we were surrounded by music and everybody was passionately involved in music. And before that, I didn't even know that I had any music in me. I knew that my mother was a singer, but right. she was gone all the time singing. And uh, uh, my grandmother had had strokes, so she didn't speak, much less sing. So there was no music in the home. And uh, so I was really 10 years old before I really got involved with music just being in the home. And uh, I was just getting ready to say, by the time I got to um, high school, I had decided, I didn't know if I really had talent or not, but I wanted to be in the arts. I wanted to study music and major in music. Right. So I went to art and um, music high school in North New Jersey. And then um, I wanted to go to a music school, but no one suggested a scholarship and we didn't have the money, so I went to a state college, but it was a very good one, and I majored in uh, music education. So I did the next best thing to uh, study music to be a performer. I taught music education in the public schools. And then by the time I had done that for about a year and a half or so, um, the fever had just, you know, I don't know, i got to try this. You know, I'm, I'm, I might not be good at it. I don't know if I have talent, but i got to see if I could be a professional singer like my mother. And so that was the, the where the passion began to just grow. And I said, I just had to try it. And I'm still trying, and I, I never gave it up. <laughs> so, so you never were, like, singing in, in talent shows or in church or anything like that growing up? You didn't really oh, start? Oh, yeah, I mean, all, all, all of that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I, I really didn't start until, like, about the 7th or 8th grade, like, junior high oh, wow. school. Okay. Kind of late, yeah. Wow. And I, I love music. Um, I, love, I love Broadway. Love mm-hmm. watching you on Broadway. Do you ever think you do Broadway again? Oh, I will. As a matter of fact, um, since this happened kind of like by accident in, in the beginning, um, what I'm doing now is um, I'm getting ready to tour my own one-woman play with music. So I'm going to really start from scratch because I don't think I, um, I'm, what you call an actress, I think I'm an artist because I fell into it. And so uh, I feel like I need to kind of define myself rather than trying to fit into somebody else's uh, um, daydream or vision and that's the way that um, most Broadway or theater people do. You learn how to audition, you learn how to act, you learn how to go up and ask somebody for a job. And nobody teaches you really how to produce or how to uh, I guess self-start yourself. And what, what happened was that when I lost all my, my career and all of my um, support system um, I wrote a one-woman play because it's all I had. But it got me like this. Oh. So I, I think I should go that way, do what I know people want me to do, right. develop, develop as a um, playwright myself, uh, develop the, the production team, which means learn how to do the business part of it. That's where a lot of people have to have a downfall because it's very expensive to produce theater. So you have to learn how to fundraise. And I'm at that point now, and so is the music industry, where, you're, where it's an independent business, where you really have to market yourself. And I think that's good. So I feel like um, I should uh, continue to work on the production that I have now of my play, which is called Still Standing, The uh-huh. Melbourne War Story. Uh-huh. And I've gotten a lot of support in terms of people knowing that I have had challenges, like Unsung and some of the other... Um, media um, examples that I've had where my story has been told. So um, 
not to make it into the, the art form, uh, I, I think is, is, is the next step and then start fresh from there. And besides, now these days we have lots of playwrights and lots of uh, um, African-American-centered theater and lots of, of um, community theater where you can get support and start your own company and build it independently and small. And then I, I'd rather start from my own base where I know that the foundation of it is what people want from me and what I can succeed at, and then build it to the point where, um, like I said, I got lateness from somebody coming to see my, my play. So you can see what it is I really am. I guess I'm, I'm going around Robin Hood's barn to try to say, I don't want to just, I mean, if I get something, if somebody, somebody offers me something, but I, you know, I try to go the round of auditions, and basically what the legitimate theater people want is so you just, throw away what you've done. They don't want to acknowledge, I have a Tony Award. I don't want to start at the bottom. Right. Right. Uh, but I don't really know how to audition. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, because I've never gotten anything that way. So I think what you have to do is you have to see what your life's pattern has been, build the things up that um, will support you, and then create, I think, something that, that works as an audition piece for you, but doesn't make you start at the bottom. Right. And who better to tell your story but you? Exactly. Yeah, well, I don't, I, 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 I don't think that, you know, if you go and audition, anybody's interested in hearing the story because they, they're telling their story and they want you to fit into what their vision is. Right. So um, that's what I think will work for me better. So you really got... So, so you're saying, you know, if, am I going to do theater again? And I'm saying, yes, but this is the way I'm going to go about it. Yeah. Sounds good. Really I'm excited good. about yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So you, you really got your start in the 70s, and I know you've been pretty vocal about some of the obstacles and challenges looking back over your career. Um, you know, the major struggles that you had, you know, with the divorce and everything, we'll get to a little bit later. But I know that you said in another interview, you know, if you could do it all over again, um, like management or thing. What are some of the obstacles that through your career you look back and said, you know, you wish we had done better on? Um, I don't think I, I could have done better because I asked questions. I, I, I tried to find out what was the, the right way to do things. And to be honest with you, people hoarded that information. They, you, you don't, you're not going to get it from fellow artists. They're not going to help you, generally speaking. And, and a lot of times they don't know, so they're trying to find out themselves. Um, I know when, some, when I ask somebody, I say, well, how do you do a play? Uh, um, they said, we've got to go get an attorney. Well, the first thing that does is put you in debt to somebody for, for retainers. So you have to figure out, um, well, well, I'm, I'm talking about the one-person play, mm -hmm. but in the beginning, when I was just trying to get started, I asked my parents, like, for instance, I asked my mother, I said, what, what do you do if a record company doesn't live up to their recording contract? She said, well, I guess you, you wait it out. So, you know, and especially for African-Americans, we have, the system was not created to, to serve us. It was created to use us. What do you mean? And, I, I mean, uh, people like Ray Charles, uh, Ray Charles and James Brown, you, you, they're phenomenal for being known for um, uh, starting their own publishing companies and starting okay. their own record companies and um, getting paid for what they did because we're still fighting some of the backlashes of slavery and racism that were, were not meant to treat us really even as humans. Mm -hmm. and, and you be surprised some of the little ways that that still kind of pops out and, and that we're still catching up, some of us. Uh -huh. Some of us have, you know, gone, you know, made, you know, like 
strides ahead tremendously. So, and you know, people have their own companies, and you know, we're, we're um, not where we were at, at all. But some of us, like myself, never I never had consistent good management. The only thing way things that happened for me was I was at the right place at the right time, and I I, I was courageous and said, "Oh yeah, I'll try that. I'll try that," and I learned on the job. And um, when I say learn on the job, I was learning to be an actor on the job because I never thought that uh, acting would be for me, so I didn't study acting. It, was, it could have been available if I'd known to, but um, I did study music, and so that, and that turned out to be something that was very typical for African-Americans. Music was the base and the ground, um, um, the grassroots place where we started everything, and then if we were successful at that, then we were able to go into... Um, television or comedy or acting or some other things that usually was um, available to us if we were musicians or if we were comedians. Okay. Okay. Or if we were preachers, I guess. <laughs> okay. Um, I I wanted to know uh, when you started. From when you started your your music career, what do you think the difference is from when you started to what the music is like today? Wow. What do you in see the, the difference industry, in the whole industry? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of influences, like, for instance, uh, one of the big, big um, assets that we had was music and the arts was part of the public school education. And um, even in the inner city where, as African Americans, we didn't necessarily always have all the tools and the, the, the best um, teachers. When I say teachers, I mean, you know, there was always racism, some, somebody telling you you couldn't do this and you couldn't do that and you couldn't do the other. So there were always challenges for us that way. But in some cases, it's, it's really been bad for the industry, for the arts, for the world, that um, the arts have been taken out of the schools. Uh-huh. So it wasn't just something you could take for granted. And, and in some cases, phys uh, ed and some of the other aspects that really make the whole person have been taken out. And you hear them in the, um, the musicality in, in some ways. Um, I hear people complaining about the fact that some of the music, a lot of the music is very dark and it's not so musical. And there's been a lot of sampling because people don't know anything about the the, um, the basic rudiments of music because it's been taken out of the schools. And you you hear it. And and the um, heavy, heavy, heavy commercialism of music and kind of dummying down. Like for instance. Um, there used to be, you might hear top 40 music if you go into a department store. Now it's been going down to like almost like music. So that um, um, it's almost like um, you get everything in the first eight bars and then it's just repeated. Oh, oh okay. I got you. I got you. Substance. I used to say, what the heck is he doing? I want to ask you one more question. If you could collaborate <laughs> with anybody, who would it be? Well, right now, I think I'm going to take advantage of the fact that I'm, in a sense, collaborating with people who are genius musicians because um, they they can do uh, they can play all the instruments, they can sing all sing the, the you know all kinds of types of singing, and uh, they can produce they they know the electronics. So I'm collaborating with people who use my voice in a way that it hasn't been used. And um, that's where I want to start the collaboration because um, I don't write songs, I don't produce. So, so that's my collaboration has to be with people who provide those things that I need. And you're probably talking about doing duets with somebody. Right. I'm singing duets with people too. 
and, and this arena. So I would start with people who would help me um, finish producing what I'm trying to do because this, I think this is, this is the best album I've done perhaps in my career in terms of the the time, the relevance, you know, it's time for some fresh, something fresh. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, a, a new place to start and then build again, if you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying. It definitely is fresh. It's a new sound for you because I'm like I was saying the other two songs. You were really like hitting those notes. You're singing yeah. hard. Yeah, she still um, has well, that voice. Forevermore, oh, you goodness. know, it's a different sound. Still good, still fabulous, right. but right. you're 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 not bellowing out those notes like you used to do. Is that is it? Was that part of your plan? Yes, and that's why I'm saying like with uh, it's my time again. What Dennis uh, Johnson and Zoya did was kind of mimic the um, A seal uh-huh. and construct the song so that I would hit the notes that I did before. So first of all, you know I could still hit right, them. Right. But also, it's my identity. You know, allow me to still be myself and still, but still be fresh. Uh-huh. So that's a, a great collaboration. Um, I want to I build that. I want to continue to do that with the next few albums wherever it's possible. And then you, and, and I want to I reestablished myself in the music that I did before again, and then perhaps if you know um, there are people that you you want to collaborate with in terms of songwriting or in terms of singing, I would go there again. But I would first want to let you hear me now as I am. Yeah, you sound amazing, absolutely amazing. Thank you. I, I mean, I was watching your um, release party, and the one thing that I've noticed, and you are like all over social media all over social media. It's like you're just emerging as this Melbourne Moore, Melbourne Moore, Melbourne Moore all the time and getting wonderful um, hits from people all over the place saying amazing things about you. How do you feel about that? I'm very grateful because um, who knew that the social media would be the, it's like the 4th of July. You'd be everywhere. But the only thing is you got to be right. <laughs> right. Because what you're seeing are live performances, and that's what I look like now, it's what I am like now. So I've been trying to stay ready and get ready and be out there. And you can't be everywhere all the time, but with the media, it, it, you plug into what other people are doing, and so they multiply you so that whatever it is you are, it's like the Lord with the five loaves of bread and the, and the two right. fish. Mm-hmm. You give it to him, he blesses it, and then he multiplies it. But you better be right, because that's multiplying. So I'm just grateful that, first of all, I have somebody who's working on uh, um, social media that's growing with it, because it's not staying the same. It is magnifying, multiplying. So it's just a a, a miracle that you have available to you if you're ready. (laughs) As David Stables just said, if you're ready, I'll take you there. (laughs) So... Let's move to this part here, which is, which I really, really, really feel is going to bless some people because it really blessed me when I read all of it. I didn't know about it. Um, during the 90s, you know, you, you endured a lot personally and professionally. Um, your husband, you know, you went through a divorce with your husband, I believe it was Charles Huggins. Right. Um, back then, you know, you pretty much lost your career and you, you were left broke. I want to know, number one, can you just give us an insight of, what you experienced. Then I want to know, I know the answer to it, but I want you to tell everybody, you know, what gave you the strength to get through that? Uh, well, well, I think the main thing is that I have a daughter. You get outside of yourself, and, I'm, and I, I'm a born-again Christian, so I understand that this is why he created the family, because you don't, we think we know what love is, and 
but it's such a powerful thing. And you, as bad as you feel, as bad as you are, as, as low as you are, as, as, as tough as it is, somehow the, you find out what it is to be human. The, the, the human spirit is unbeatable if you can tap into God and what he is telling you and what he is nurturing and what is he, what is he doing to you to continue to um, refurbish you every day. Um, to, something is dying in you every day. But he rose up. Right. <laughs> now, I know that's a mystery. It's a miracle. But it's true. And this is what you discover by going through this. You, you feel yourself dying. You feel that. You know that. Mm-hmm. You know your mortality and your weakness and your shame and your stupidity and, and you know, what, you know and the blame and the part of it that's your fault. Mm-hmm. But what you witness is God picking you back up every day and making you a new creature every day. And you coming out of this much, much, much better than you were. I'm better than I was. I sing better. I look better. I am better. I'm a better person. But that's the Christ in you. Mm-hmm. I was I was listening to an interview where you said that pretty much, you know, you feel like it was all orchestrated by God, that God allowed it to happen. So that you oh, I definitely. I mean, you don't get to be, um, what is it? You don't get to be a saint. Mm-hmm. You don't get to be holy. This is what he needs. He makes, he makes you like him. I don't know how else to, to, to say. I could, if I was a, maybe, you know, when I get to, to express this part of it more often, I will get better at saying it. But I can just say is that um, you look better, you are better. You're, you're a whole person. Now, I'm learning the difference of just being healed and being whole. I know someone described it as like if a person had leprosy and they were healed of it, uh, they, could, they could walk, they could do several different things, they don't have it anymore, but they, they're missing some fingers and some toes because that's what it does. But when God makes you whole, he puts the toes and the fingers back. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's, uh, and these are, these are miracles, and they really are. So what you see is the glory of God. It really is not, and I can say that because I've heard it said, but I can't really explain it to you. Have you ever seen gospel? Oh, yeah, I do sing gospel now. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to do a gospel I mean, I mean, That's why I say I sing better than I do. I've learned uh, to, well, I, I, you know, I study music, and so I'm always a student, so I know if I can't do it, it's possible that I could learn how to do it. And so I've learned how to sing gospel because I have a love of it just like everybody else, uh-huh. and especially African-American people who God is gifted with this. But it's the spirit of uh, if I can surrender to that and then commit to it and, and study it and rehearse it, then he will make me into that, mm. at least more than I was. I'm not going to be able to sing my show this season, but I'm going to sing it better than I did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah. I, you know, one of the questions I, I wanted to ask is to piggyback on what Will was saying earlier, how, which was very hurtful to me. Um, how did you deal with the um, being blackballed? I, I, I just don't know how you dealt with that. That's been very, very hurtful to you know, uh, hear, hear people say, well, didn't you used to say this, and didn't you used to do this, and how come you were going cracking? Just things that I couldn't relate to that, I, I guess, uh, because um, my uh, vocation is to, to be a, a public speaker and to speak publicly, I develop things to say to people. I said, oh, I would say, that somebody would say that to me, I said, I didn't used to do nothing. And say it like that first. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, yeah. and for, at first, you know, I would be angry. But then after a while, I would say it in a way so that 
you can say I may be making a joke out of it, but I'm not joking. <laughs> and you just and you say that, and you you keep trying to do it, and um, you know that um, you can't um, let your health go, you can't let your looks go, you you, you can't um, be boxed in by whatever the fashion is, because you got to figure out what is God doing, and and I have to be the daughter of Abraham and Sarah. They were barren. They were too old. They didn't fit anything that, that was supposed to be success. But God said, but God said, but God said. Right. right. So that's it. You can repeat that if you're doing it. <laughs> so I, I like to ask people this question, who are musicians? Most of the times they don't have an answer to give me. But I'm going to ask you, you know, out of your whole music collection, my favorite song is Lean On Me for, for, for many reasons. But do you have a favorite song that you've, you've done, or is there a song that perhaps means the most to you? I would say Lean On Me. Really? Yeah, because uh, it just has a magic to it. First of all, I, I first heard it by being a fan of, of someone. Uh, Aretha Franklin, that's where I heard it first. Mm-hmm. And you know how people feel about Aretha. <laughs> <laughs> and if you, if, if you or anybody was around when she first started her career, and she was just coming out here and how she inspired us. Um, that's, that's what that song meant to me. And I started singing it. And um, it always meant that. And it did that to, to people immediately as I started to sing it. And I started to develop my own arrangement of it. And it got set. And then um, instead of allowing it to just become, you know, like, I don't want to ever take God for granted. So I... Start fresh every day and try to hear what he's having to say. Try to grow in reverence of him and grow in awe of what he's doing. And let something, it means like something has to go away because you don't have enough um, adrenaline and energy to to be that fresh every day. So let something go away and make sure you keep that fresh (laughs) so that uh, it still has the same inspiration and power Uh that it has from the beginning. As a matter of fact, it's, it's, it gets to be perfected, something that you continue to work on and polish. Like maybe people take care of old cars or something. Mm-hmm. Would you ever re-record one of your songs? I have done that many times. Yeah, I've re-recorded you know, me several times. Really? Yeah. So like until that. that's why it's important for me personally now to get new music. Right. Right. But you know, I love that disco era. You, you were hot back then. I mean, I was a disco queen. I mean, I was, I was a disco diva. Believe me, love it. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, what's next for Melba Moore? Well, this new album. Right, that we're so looking forward to, yeah. and I've been listening to it on YouTube. I'm very happy for you. I'm so excited. Yeah. You're doing great things. I'm, I'm really happy for you. All right, so I'm going out and starting to perform it at CD listening uh, parties and putting the songs into my show <clears throat> and uh, uh, getting it added to people's, um, you know, radio playlists so that it can be popular like the rest of the songs that I did in the past. And you just have to keep repeating that until it's, you know, everybody's familiar with it knows you have it and it becomes their favorite song. So that's, that's the focus now. Right. So you're basically going on tour with everything. Right, that's right. right. So is it different back, you know, let's say 70s, 80s, when you were doing things on the show versus now when you're going on the road 2016? Is it different preparing for that? Is it, you know, what's it like for you? 
No, it's, it's the same thing. It's just that um, people are amazed that, you know, that I'm doing it because it's, it seems that people at, at my stage of the game are not able to do it anymore. Uh-huh. Well, that's good. Yeah. Sometimes I do feel like a kind of a side shoot. Really? <laughs> circus show or something. No, no. We're, we're so happy to have you back. Yeah. Yes. Really? And you're like I, I, I got uh, insulted. Yes. Then I said, oh, you can start. I said, what's, what's, what's come out? And then I listened to some of the other artists who are mature now, and I say, and first I got insulted. I said, well, you give me a bad rap because you heard them, and they can't do it. I, I keep it up. I, but now I realize it is a gift, and it's something you have to take care of, and you can't take it for granted. Exactly. And it's something that can't can pass away. So, right. no, now no, I'm very grateful. <laughs> exactly. So where can, our, where can your fans follow you? I know okay, okay. Uh, com. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get my new CD, which is called uh, Forever, M-O-O-R-E, on iTunes and CD Baby and uh, Amazon.com. And you can um, follow me on uh, Facebook or find me on Facebook at Noble Moore with the number one. And you can um, get me on Twitter and, you know, all of the social. Uh, she is. And yeah. I'm her friend on Facebook. I was so me happy. Too. I never, I know. She didn't talk to you on Facebook. She talked to me. I said switches <laughs> to her on her Facebook. I was so happy. I told my mom. I said, Mom, Mom. I'm friends with Melvin Moore on Facebook. <laughs> I never. T- I was at my meeting talking to her. People didn't believe it. I said, "Yes, really? look, I'm talking to Melvin Moore." Right. Yeah, I was so excited. Alone. I'm like, "She's my friend." <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I loved you forever. Yeah. Forever, forever. That Thank is so much. absolute God's truth. I, I always you. thought that you were like a superstar she and is. definitely a fashion icon. Yes. I mean that. Did you see her pictures back in the day? Baby, you see her pictures today. Yes, you, you yes, about? you yeah. look amazing. <laughs> but you know, thank you were you. definitely a fashion icon to me. Yeah, thank yes. you. Yes, well, we want to thank you for coming on the show. You know, um, taking time out of your day to come on. Oh, yes. Honored to have you on the yes, show. Yes, me too. Ditto. So honored. Thank you for thinking about <laughs> me to come on. Feel privileged. I want to wish you the very best. Um, and are there any closing words before we play your your song? It's my time again. Oh, just, uh, you know, I'm really so happy for the support. I'm glad that I got some music that is uh, relevant and suitable right now. It's not always easy to do when we're trying to keep up with the Joneses, as it were. And so I'm just very happy and very grateful. I'm going to keep trying to do my best. And um, thanks for supporting me. You're welcome. God bless you. Yes. Okay. Have a good Best of luck to you. Yes. All right, we love you. you. We love you. Yes. Bless you. Thank you. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> That being said, we're going to listen to her single, um, It's My Time Again. It's a wonderful song. Listen to the words. It is. All right. It's My Time Again, Melba Moore. It's my time
absolutely love that. I loved it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's our no, time. No, but more. It's our, yes, that's our, that's our it, theme song. That's our theme song. All right, right. You know what? That might be my song of the week next week. I'll think about it. Oh, yeah. Think about I'll it. I'll think about it. Yeah. But um, coming up next week, we have another good show coming in. I have a guest. You know what? I don't even know the dude's name. But he, um, he says in September, September 9th, um, they're doing a national, it's a prisoner strike day. Mm. Did you know that? No. The prisoners are going on strike. How do you do that? He's going to come next week to talk to us about it. Oh, He's okay. trying to end slavery in New York. Um, and he said, I think it's September the 9th, 9, 9, 2016, I believe, is going to be the prisoners are supposed to be doing a, a type of um, strikes, pretty much trying to end the um, mass incarceration, the labor that they do. You know, they make the things for really cheap right. in jail. So they're trying to um, combat that. Plates? Yeah, well, mm-hmm. a whole bunch of things I mm-hmm. heard they make. Mm-hmm. So he's going to come on the show and talk about that. We also have an author. Um, what about your friends who Marcel Emerson out of Washington, D.C.? Um, a young guy, I met young guy. He's the author of a couple books. He's going to come on next week and talk about it. Um, and then I'm going to do my image and style segment. Uh, oh, talking about yes. what's hot and what's not. What's good for you? Um, I have my some, some, some write-in questions that I'm going to be answering on air. If you have a question that you want me to answer, you can go ahead and email me at info at let'sfaceitradio.com. That's info at let'sfaceitradio.com. Radio.com. Um, some other things coming up June the 20th in Virginia Beach. Are you coming to the yes, I'll be NAACP there. Yes, I'll be doing interviews Black that Men day. Rock Image Awards? Are you really? Yes, I am. I'm nominated for three awards. Um, Congratulations. Media Mogul, Best Male Makeup Artist, which will be my third year. I won two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Best Talk Show, this talk show. Best internet talk show. I hope Let's you, you need to win all three. I hope so. I, I hope so. so. I, I'm in the gym trying to get down. You're going to get the award. I hope so. You're going to get the award. You're going to get the award. Are you, you going to um, make me up, beat my face? I can. What, what time does it start? Do you know? Um, Six. I have to you be there to the salon? Oh, we have someone calling in. Oh. Let's answer and say before we Yes. Thanks for calling Let's Face It Radio. You're on the air. Hi. Who am I speaking with? This is Will. Oh, hi, Will. This is Joan Allen, Paul's mother. Hey, Ma. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to congratulate you. And the show sounds fantastic. Thank you. And... Just wanted to let you know Malcolm Moore had me tapping my feet again. Did she? <laughs> She's back. She's back. Yes, thank you for listening. I really appreciate that. Mom, I'm good. so excited that you called in. Yay for my but mom. The show, oh, I'm really enjoying it. And, you know, I just pray God's blessings over you. Thank you. That this will be a success for you. Thank you. And, you know, your group that you're working with. And, and look out for guys the, sound great. Look out Thanks, for the Will and Paula show, too. Yes. I, 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 I will. I, I will. feel it in my spirit. <laughs> The Will and Paula show coming up. Okay, I just want to say hello to you and congratulate you. Thank you. Thanks, Mom. Okay. I love you. You have a good evening. You too. Okay, bye. That's your mom. Yes, that's our mom. All the way from Hartford, Connecticut. All right. CT in Listen the house, in. the heartbeat. I like that. I like yes. that. Yes. But I want to thank you for... Um, Coming in. You're on welcome. Our first show. Did you have fun? Oh my God. I, I had an amazing you. time. This was so exciting. This yeah. was like the absolute best. Really? Plus, I don't have to have any makeup. I can be in well, my you know, we also, Nobody sees me. We'll, we'll be on TV soon. I just chose, I opted not to record today because, you know, I'm not in 
gear. You know I didn't gear. Yeah. I knew I was going to be sweating today because I didn't know. But I really worked it good. It was it's really easy to learn. Yeah, you did a great job. But there will be shows that we're, you know, we're videotaped because you will be able to see us on cable on the ODU station. They'll play us throughout the web center. Um, and then people can see us on the YouTube channel. Do we get to stand up and act crazy and we dance? That. We're and... going to do in-studio interviews and all that. Oh, and that's we'll going to be so much fun. A, b- a bunch of us for the chat. That, yeah. If you did food tasting, have people come and bring hey, food? It's up to you. Oh, my it's God. I'm excited. I'm excited about that. <laughs> do some dance yeah. lessons, some line dancing in here. But shout out to the world's greatest publicist, Miss Nikki Curry, Nikki for Curry. always being here, for, for doing it live for us. And Mr. Yes. Paul, Mr. Mr. B. Mr. B. Mr. B. Mr. Lawrence B. Thank you for holding yes, down the back. Yes, Nikki with, is amazing. If you need a publicist, yeah. she's it. NikkiCurry.com. That's it, right? Right? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's it. I had to make you sure. can always catch her on Facebook, right, though. Right, right, right. But um, thank everyone for tuning in, listening, and make sure that you tune in next week. Until then, I want everyone to have a very, very, very blessed week. Thanks, Will, again for having me. I You're appreciate welcome. you. You're welcome, Bo. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. We ask that you visit www.letsfaceitradio.com for up-to-date information on future shows, special guests, advertising opportunities, and exciting interactive ways that you can be a part of the show. Join us next week, same time, same place, for real people Real topics, real talk. Let's face it. I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. We've created a new way to protect you from unpredictable interest rates. Our exclusive Rate Shield approval. First, we lock your interest rate for up to 90 days. Then, if rates go up, your rate stays locked. But if rates go down, your rate drops. Either way, you win. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year fixed rate loans. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply. What's in store for your business this week at Staples? Cases and cases of confidence. Staples can help give you the confidence that your business is ready for the year ahead with all the supplies you need. Like paper. And right now, when you buy a 10-ream case of Staples multi-purpose paper, you get one free. So you can be confident you're ready for whatever business comes your way. Buy one case of Staples multi-purpose paper, get one free. Now at Staples, where there's a whole lot in store. In-store only, limit 10. Valid through 1519.